KYW Original Podcasts. This is a Flashpoint Extra. I'm Flashpoint host Cherry Gregg. Flashpoint is sponsored by the Gift of Life donor program. Organ donors save lives. Register today at donors1.org. This Tuesday, Theophilus Wilson was set free. He has spent 28 years of a life sentence behind bars for three murders he did not commit. Wilson was exonerated after the Philadelphia DA's office discovered prosecutorial misconduct and false evidence in his case. DA Larry Krasner issued a statement this week saying, after a close and thorough examination of the facts and evidence in this case, including evidence that should have been turned over to the defense prior to my administration. This office determined that the 1992 conviction of Mr. Wilson for the 1989 murders of Kevin Anderson, Gavin Anderson, and Otis Reynolds lacked integrity. Theophilus Wilson, also known as Bilal, is here with his attorney, Jennifer Merrigan, and investigator Joy Zuccarello from Phillips Black. Welcome to Flashpoint, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and so congratulations to you, Bilal. Thank you. Freedom Day was just a couple of days ago for you. What has it been like? Um, a, little, a little stressful. A little stressful. Um, things are moving pretty fast, and um, trying to talk to everybody and see everybody. It's been a little, been a little stressful. Yeah, and and because you've had twenty eight years uh, where things probably were. It, you know, kind of directed. You knew what was going to happen every day, and now, yeah, yeah, it's, and that's that's I, it's something I have to get used to. Yeah, and so how did you get through mentally these past twenty eight years? I mean, I can't even imagine twenty eight days, mm-hmm. twenty eight hours, let alone twenty eight years. Well, um, a, a lot of prayer, um, a lot of hard work, and a lot of discipline, discipline, and patience. Yeah. And so let's just go back to the day. Before we go through the facts of the case, I always like to talk about the day the verdict came down. Did you, how was it going through the trial? Did you just think to yourself, there's no way uh, that, you know, I'll be convicted? Um, because I just want to point out, in your case, there were three co three three defendants in the case. Right. One was actually acquitted. Right. You had another defendant who was exonerated in 2013. And then there was you left. Yes, yes. So let's go back to the verdict day, okay. the original verdict day. Did you think, did you, did you just think to yourself, there's no way I'm going, I'm getting convicted? Well, that, that's the, um, uh, being naive about the system and what goes on in the system. You have this, um, this confidence that the system is going to work for you. And what happens is, is that those things become, sh- um, uh, they become shattered. Once the situation like that happened, and I, you know, I was happy. I had mixed emotions. I was happy, um, and I, I was I was sad at the same time when um, my co-defendant um, was found uh, not guilty. Um, and I just it was a lot of it's a lot of mixed emotions, man. I said, "Dang, wow!" Because I actually really believed that the system worked for me. I will be found not guilty um, during the trial. One of the things that really made me feel that way is because when I took the stand in my own defense. I was never questioned about the murders that I was accused of. And that was, that, it was, it struck me kind of odd 
Um, because at that time I was studying law maybe about a year and a half, and I've never heard anything like that talking to guys, where you're on trial for three murders. Um, allegedly they got the evidence to prove that, and you take the stand in your own defense, and they don't ask you no questions about the murders, but they harped on some things that happened a year later, totally after the fact, was totally unrelated. So I said, man, I'm, I'm going to get quitted. They didn't even ask you no questions about what I'm here for, technically. But um, it was a crafty way for them to, you know, to, um, to manipulate the jury with other evidence that had nothing to do with the case. Um, so it just was a lot of mixed emotions. So when, when, when they um, came back with that guilty verdict, you know, I was, I was crushed. Yeah. yeah. How long, because you were very young when you went in. Yes. How old were you? Um, I believe uh, 19. And so I've talked to a lot of people who have been exonerated or who got the and who got these life sentences. Did you even realize what life meant at the time? Did you no, realize not, that this? No, not really. Not you, really. How long did it take you to get to a space where you were like, I didn't do this. Right. I'm here and I could be here for the rest of my life. Right. Right. Well, what happened was studying a little bit of law. I kind of understood the appeal process. Mm. Um, so. The settling part came later on when guys that I was uh, real close to, mm. um, they started to go home, you know. So you always had that feeling back up a little bit. Now, before that, they had a, I had a death penalty hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, so they actually tried to kill me. So I had a little sense of what was going on, but it didn't really set into guys start going home that I was close to. Because it's still unbelievable at this point. Although I've been through all I've been through, it's still kind of unbelievable. You know, um, asking why me, why this, why that. Um, and it was, it was just, you know, it was, it, was, um, it, was, it was an amazing experience in a negative. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm going to put you pause here and um, bring in Jenny and Joy because you, you when did you hear about this case, uh, Jenny, and, and start to say, you know what? There's a problem here, and because you represented Bilal here pro bono, and so you came in, and what, what we, I mean, lawyers got to eat. So what made you say, you know what, I'm gonna take this case. This is this is something I need to spend time on. So I came into the case in 2018, and after looking at, <clears throat> by that point, his co-defendant had been his conviction had been vacated, mm. and. The only witness who gave, who provided any evidence connecting the three defendants to the murder, his name was James White, and he had recanted. Um, and he he had provided other evidence. He testified that he had had multiple one on one conversations with the prosecutor. The prosecutor would bring James White's mother in to meet with them. So there were these totally unethical meetings happening and these stories that were being created about the three defendants. Chris Williams' um, conviction was vacated, but Bilal just continued to languish in prison because he didn't have counsel. Um, And that struck me as so completely unfair that the two men would be treated so differently. In Mr. Williams' case, his attorneys were able to get a forensic expert, something that trial counsel absolutely should have done to look at the physical evidence and say conclusively that there yeah. was no way that the informant could be correct, that yeah. the prosecution story was false. 
it did not match up to the physical evidence. And let's back up and say sure. what give the basic facts of the case. And either one any give the basic facts. Well just well just to add to what um to what Jenny mentioned. Um and I want to get the basic facts so that people okay. listening well, have a basic understanding okay. of well, what happened. Yeah, well, allegedly. Well they they alleged that um there this was a um a um a gun sale going bad. Mm. These guys allegedly wanted to buy some guns and um when they they were brought allegedly to the uh to this this location by myself um and a robbery ensued um and the three vi- victims was allegedly um killed um and their bodies were thrown two of them their bodies were thrown from the back of a moving vehicle um uh shot and their bodies thrown out the moving vehicle while it was moving mm-hmm. so to add to Jenny's point during trial what we tried to do, just not even being uh, um, a crime scene reconstruction expert or a criminal pathologist, right? What we try to do just based off the basics. Okay, if this is your theory of the case, we know they're lying. We know he's lying. And um, we know that the case was a sham. Okay. So what we tried to do is when the medical examiners took the stand, we tried to cross-examine the medical examiners about the conditions of the victim's bodies. Just to show to the jury, say, listen, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure this out. If someone, if two of these victims were shot in a van, right, these gunshot wounds would have ended their life, according to what they said on the stand of experts, then they can no way protect themselves being slung out of a van. Yeah, and and the the evidence showed, the actual physical evidence evidence showed that they had been shot where they 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 landed. But see, we didn't, but see, we didn't, what happened, we didn't know that, so... From a defense perspective, what we tried to do is, is we tried to, um, to show that scientifically, right? Yeah. That uh, Newton's theory, uh, something in motion, stay, a body in motion stays in motion, right? So we didn't know about a lot of things we learned now about the forensic evidence. We didn't know that. But we're saying, listen, man, it's, I mean, we all were kids before and we fell off a bike, right? Yeah. What happens when you fall off a bike? You get scratched up. Now, and let me say this to you, and you're alive, right? Even though you try to brace your fall, right? Now, we, this is basic stuff. I mean, you don't got to be a scientist to know this. So we're saying if you actually threw someone out of the back of a van, by the way, the van had no side doors, according to James White at the time, Yeah. right? Out the back door while a van is moving. And you mean to tell me there's going to be no other bruises or abrasions? So, uh, oh, one, one, and then they yeah, found, yeah. then they found the bodies on a pavement. Yeah, he said he said. And I don't st- want to get into the brutality of the of this because yes, it's, for the victims' families, okay, we okay. got to respect okay, them. Absolutely, you 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 right. are exonerated, absolutely. but somebody did right. die here. Absolutely, so we, absolutely. I don't like careful. to go into okay. into the okay. into right. the specifics. I got okay? you. Okay, yes. So we tried to we tried to um to show that you know. These these victims, man, they were not they were not injured yeah. based on the testimony. And and that's what um we tried to do that. But the judge, he cut our defense off. He yeah. didn't let us ask these questions, these hypothetical questions to the judge. Yeah. yeah. So we actually made that argument before, but they just, you know, lawyers but, failed us. But um, the big thing was to me is the prosecutorial misconduct. Absolutely. And that certain evidence because what happens because a lot of this stuff yeah. Uh, what what was wrong and what overturned your case yeah. was the prosecutorial misconduct, the Brady evidence that was kept from uh, the defense team, 
Uh, and and it seemed like this is the re- it seemed like this is the reason why uh, the DA's office decided to file this motion and to, to to actually get up in front of a judge and say they believe that you are innocent and actually apologize to you. Yes, yes, but it, it was um, it definitely was that what you mentioned, but it was also the scientific evidence because that's how my co-defendant got the new trial. Mm-hmm. He got the new trial off the scientific evidence. Yeah. So, and I, I want to add in here though, when when we came in, it was it was that evidence. That seems so unfair that that would apply to his co-defendant, Chris Williams, and not, and not to him. him. Yeah. But when we actually got the file from the Conviction Integrity Unit, the DA's file was over 42,000 pages. And Joy um, and our interns and um, pro bono attorneys from the firm Greenberg Traurig, we all you know, joined together. That. That's a lot of paper, y'all. And read 42,000 pages. Me, yeah, a lot. And what we discovered is that what happened in this case is that police were conducting an investigation for the first three months after the murders. And they identified what they called a prime suspect. Mm. They found, you know, hundreds of, there's hundreds of pages in the file of investigation into him, his family, his properties. They knew exactly who he was. He was a big drug kingpin. He was Jamaican. Um, there was a lot of evidence about the victims being having ties to Jamaica and being drug dealers. And the theory, the police theory at the time was that this was part of the Jamaican JBM war that was happening in Philly. For whatever reason, and that is a reason that we have been investigating and we will continue to investigate, the police buried that. And that's why there's a lag between 1989 and 1992 when Bilal was arrested. Yeah. Because they buried what really happened. They covered it up. And then they came up with this new theory that was based around the testimony of James White. Yeah. And this is, and, and so that's sort of, this is sort of kind of like a thread between uh, many of the cases. And, I, and I've covered wrongful conviction for years at this point, And it's really sad that there's a whole beat around this now. Um, but we've seen, you know, just rogue d- detectives um, you know, burying evidence, uh, shaking down witnesses, a lot of young guys, um, and and getting false testimony and false confessions and, and all of this. And all of this is kind of being discovered. And it's all during that same time period, early 90s. That's correct. Early 90s. And um, just your thoughts on that, Bilal. I mean, for you to be one of these people, yes. uh, just your thoughts. On, on how this could have happened to you? Well, it's, um, uh, I don't think, um, uh, to one of your comments, that I don't think that it's, um, that it's any rogue detectives or rogue district attorneys. What I think is that it's, it's, it's an institution of corruption in the city of Philadelphia. And um, I'm with Philip Zimbardo on a top-down dominance theory. I'm not really with the one bad apple thing that the police try to use they say, well, this is one bad apple. He's a bad guy, and we're not like that. I really don't believe in that. Um, I understand there's some good police, some good homicide. It's, it's, it's a good, yeah. got good people everywhere. But what I think is that they have created from around the 70s or 60s, based on uh, my research, they have, it's, it's, it's a culture. It's, um, it's a culture of corruption when it comes to black folks in these court systems. And it's not just four or five district attorneys. Um, it's to hear no evil, see no evil thing. And I think that it's the superiors that are allowing this stuff to 
um, permeate and promoting or they hear no evil, see no evil. So they turn away. Um, and in our case, it's just a, a, an example of what they do to young black men in the city of Philadelphia. Everybody knew what's going on. Ain't nothing new. But now it's, it's being put out there. And this has been going on for a long time. So it's, it's, it, I think it's institutional. It's an institutional situation. And we need to change the culture. From We need to change the culture, the very foundation of it. Because yeah. it's, it's just going on and going on and going on. And, and it's, 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 um, yeah. it's sad. But it's, just, it's not no road cops or nothing. There is bad and good people. But in these cases here, dealing with that homicide division and 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 the DA's office before Larry Krasz got in, there, no, it's 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 it's, it's really a, it's, it's really an institution of corruption. It's just not no one bad apple. Yeah, and we have this conviction integrity unit. How integral yeah. was that? Um, because you got you two were investigating this case, dealing with this case. Um, you came in right around the time that the conviction integrity unit was up and running. Do you think that this result would have come this way if if uh, you know, if it wasn't there? I I think that the CIU was absolutely integral. There is no way that we would have seen the file without them. Now, I do believe that because of Mr. Williams' case and, and the fact that his conviction was vacated and it was so clear that this informant was not telling the truth, that eventually Bilal would have seen justice. But I don't know how much longer that would have taken and I don't think we would have known the extent to which the police were hiding evidence, were protecting in the suspect who actually committed the crime. Um, and, you know, <clears throat> in order for James White's story to work and the prosecutor's story to work, they had to bury the actual contemporaneous police records and police reports of what happened. They had to bury 911 calls that were made that completely contradicted White's story. So we would never have seen those if we hadn't have actually seen the file. And that was extremely important. Now, as a, I'm a lawyer as well, it sounds to me that this is, you know, you have evidence in that 42,000 plus paid file to file a civil rights lawsuit. It would seem that way. Yeah. And I've witnessed uh, and talked to people who have, uh, been in civ- similar situations mm-hmm. where their civil rights have been violated. Is that is that sort of the direction? Because I know, you know, covering this issue, there's no compensation for 28 years. Uh, there's absolutely zero le- legislative compensation in Pennsylvania. There's a lot of states that do, but including New Jersey, right across the bridge. But we don't have that here. So how are you going to live? Um. I want to speak first to the civil rights lawsuit. I mean, that is something that we are looking into and we're talking to different experts in the area about it. Um, it's something that the city of Philadelphia is seeing a lot now, that, that this massive corruption is really being exposed. Um, and then I'll let Bilal answer how he's going to live. But I will also say that um, we are starting up a GoFundMe and we will be circulating that for people to chip in and help. You are right. There's no legislative compensation in this state, which is ridiculous. Um, he gave up 28 years of his life. I will share that we've spent the last two days trying to get him an identification card, which is impossible because he has no history for 28 years. The state just gets to erase it. Um, and I got to say, be careful, because I've heard that some people who come who have had life sentences have had their identity stolen. Uh, because they're not expecting you to come back, and uh, they just 
take your identity and they do all kinds of stuff. I mean, wow. no, that's like, awful. so check it, check it. I'm serious. And people have told me they've had struggles because then they trying to get an apartment. They're trying to get a life and somebody been running around here charging, buying computers and stuff mm-hmm. in their name. Yes. Um, so, so check that. So, um, so how are you going to live? Well, with the help of family and friends and, and, and working hard, do it like that. So, um, do you do you need just some time? I mean, to mentally process this. Yes, yes, I'm I'm gonna get it. I'm, You've only had like two or three I days. Know, I, I, <laughs> I just want to put that I'm out all there. Over, I'm all over the place. I um I was I was on the road all day yesterday. Um, I I always dreamed of getting eight hours of sleep. You know, because I, I mean, 28 years, all I had was four hours. I mean, I averaged four hours of sleep. You know, a night, unless I get a you know a nice blessing and I can go ahead and get somewhere and, and be out, man. But um. Uh, you yeah. tired? Yes, ma'am. So I'm you tired. just you tired? I'm tired, man. I need I need to get some rest, some sleep, and um, yeah, I'm tired. So I understand you educated. You made sure you got your education yes, there. Ma'am. Tell tell me what you did inside. Well, when I when I got there, one of the things that my actual innocence did for me was I made a decision very early. You either gonna swim or drown. And somebody told me they said, "Listen, man, you either gonna dig in or dig out. What you gonna do?" You're going to lose yourself. You can lose yourself here. This place is, in, I'm talking about the madness that's going in jail. I mean, it's unbelievable. And it's more mental than anything. There's some physical things going on. But it's a very, very bad environment, especially when I got locked up. I mean, it was wild. So I made my mind up then and there. I said, listen, man, this is what you got to do. You got to stay sharp, stay focused, turn jail into yell. Prison in a Princeton and a big house in a Harvard. This is what you got to do. You got to learn that. You got to pray hard. You got to stay in shape. You got to work and out. You like leaning me, y'all. He's yeah, leaning me. Yeah, y'all can't yeah. see him, but he's leaning me. Objection. Right. I wouldn't say mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, I meant like, right, right, right. You know, right, it's right, a right, phrase. Right, it's right, a right, phrase. Right. <laughs> and, and I said, man, I said, you know, this, this is what we, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm not doing no plan. I ain't following nobody around. That ain't never been my my personality anyway. I'm sticking to my guns no matter what. I'm going to have some discipline and some patience. And I'm going I'm to I'm 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 fight hard. Yeah. So how did I do it? I, I studied the law for 28 years straight. Now, I was locked up. I forgot that I had somebody do the hours. I was locked up. So what we did was I, um, I forgot the hours. I forgot the hours, right? <laughs> but I'm going to give you the hours. And I'm going to show you my estimation about how many, how many of these hours were spent in the law library as opposed to me being not in the library? You well, you, so you going to law? Did you go to law school while you was in there? You... Well, well, what I did was um, I um, I um, I was certified by the state as a, uh, a legal reference aid, right? So what I did was what I like to do is when I learn something, I like to take it to the next level. So research is my specialty. This is what I do. Um uh, so then what we had, we had that. So we got certified for that to work in the library, in the jail. So we did that. Um, after that, we had, you know, different little courses, a lot of self-study, talking to different lawyers and stuff like that. But I got two certificates from the University of Pennsylvania law program, prison law program. I did that for about three years. Um, and then I did a um, constitutional class, history, well, constitutional law period, the history of it in, in this application. And um, so... Um, so yeah, I study business law. I study a lot of different. I, I, I predict you. I say you go and because uh, you. I mean, I, I found and there are people who have done time who've 
gotten themselves out of the system. One guy, he writes, he used to write briefs for the Supreme Court from prison that was winning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, he's up, he's up, he's up he's north. Up there, he's, and he's now up he's north. in Georgetown. Yeah. He's at yeah. professor yeah. He's a professor or something at, at Georgetown I'm, I'm familiar University. With yes, I'm familiar with him. I mean, there's so many things you mm-hmm. can do, and, yes. and 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 as you piece your life back together, and yes. I congratulate you, you for keeping your mind uh, uh, focused. Thank you. What is your word for the men? Because there are probably others. Yes, are there others well, that you've th- met? Well, it's, it's it's um it's a lot of people incarcerated for crimes they didn't commit. Um. And a lot of them is uh, factually innocent, meaning that um, they absolutely have nothing to do with the crime. And there's guys that's legally innocent, meaning, for example, um, I know cases where one guy, um, it was a spontaneous brawl, and he's, he's sitting and he's, you know, defending himself. He's sitting in a penitentiary as a result of him defending himself, right, um, and his sister. That's one case um, where a guy went and got a gun. Um, he defended himself. Um, there's another case. It was a fight, spontaneous brawl, and um, you know, uh, craziness. And he's doing life in prison. Um, so you got a legal innocence, and you got the factual. You know, so it's it's a lot of guys there that that's um that that should be home, thirty, forty years in, man. That I know personally, um, and there's a lot of guys I don't know. But there's a lot of guys there, man, that are actually innocent. And I'm not saying that everybody's actually innocent, but there's too many people locked up, man, that, yeah. that's actually innocent, man. They, the, the, the statistics say anywhere from 2 to 8%. 2 yeah. to 8%. So that's if you, bad, if on man. the high end, that's out bad. of 100 people, it's 8. Yeah. On the low end, it's 2. Yeah, and, and it's bad. if you wanted those 2 or to 8, it's, yeah. it's, it's horrible. So yeah. just your, you know, as we wrap this up, um, what are the next steps? I mean, this is day three. So well, I, I, what's going to do for day four or five? Well, I got I, I to get some rest and, and, and see my family. I haven't been able, I've been so busy. I haven't even been able to see my, my aunts, you know, and um, the family and the kids. My, and now it seems like everybody's stuck by you. Well, you know, that, that was a great blessing, man. Um, for 28 years, um, I had my support team, my support base, and it grew and grew and grew. Like Jenny and them came on board. Um, they say I'm a lovable guy, though, man. So, you know, when you meet me, you don't want to leave me, right? So... Um, I don't know. And your I, faith had to be part of it because you're Muslim. Yeah, big fit, big part of it. That's it. I, you know, prayer, yeah. prayer first, and then work after that. You know, yeah, you know, work hard and and be patient and pray and just you know weave. But uh, we used to say um, um, bob and weave and boxing. You know, you bob and you weave to stay away from the trouble. Yep. So we, yeah. you know, we we um, yeah. Well, uh, you know, I don't know if this is good or bad, but there's a lot of. Uh, men and women yes. in Pennsylvania who yes. are similarly situated. Yes, um, and we need to are, help them. Who we are, need to help them. Who are wrongfully convicted and home yes. now. Yes, there's actually a support group. Yes, it's enough folk to get together and right. have a support group. Yes, yes, and we, um, need, we need to bring somebody home. That's all we yeah, need. Yeah, yeah, and so I, I wish you Godspeed uh, you. in your journey. Thank you. Uh, and you know, to you, Jennifer Joy. You know, Jennifer and Joy. Thank you. You know. Um, you know, congratulations. I know this is a rare thing in one's legal career to be able to use uh, the skills that you you have to be able to uh, help justice happen. Yeah, she's, so, she's a super lawyer. Yeah. I mean, look, everybody I know, look, if I as a lawyer, I know that if that happened in my life, it'd be the most memorable act of my entire career. So I know. That it must have meant a lot to you too, Jenny, to um, to taking this case on and to see this kind of result. 
uh, and, and justice restored. So uh, thank you to both of you. Thank you, all three of you, you for thank coming you. on thank you. to this podcast and talking thank about thank you. the story. I wish you luck. Thank you. Thank you. This has been a Flashpoint Extra. Flashpoint is KYW News Radio's weekly public affairs show. It airs every weekend on 1060 a.m. on your radio dial. And it comes on at 9.30 p.m. on Saturdays and Sunday morning at 8.30. So you can subscribe to the Flashpoint Podcast for exclusive content like this extra. Until next time, I'm your host, Cherry Gregg. Thanks for listening.